You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. All right. Uh, welcome back to the, the Mini Market Podcast. Uh, there are just three of us today Dalton, Connor, and Isaiah. Bit of a somber mood on the Mini Market Pod. We lost, lost Lou. Uh, I think Connor, you had some words to say about the loss of our friend. Yeah, um, uh, you know, while while it hurts, uh, the initial sting obviously is is abrupt, quick, and uh, feels a little vengeful at times. But uh, we know he's in a better place, um, a place full of golf courses, um, uh, full of sunshine. It's, it's like the sun's always shining there. I'm sure and. And we know that someday again uh, we'll see him, and hopefully that day is is soon. But uh, we know Lou's just doing things he enjoys, and uh, you know he's got to be off in, in in another place. So we're thinking about Lou. We miss Lou, and uh, and yeah, we're just uh, simpler times. Simpler times. It all, I mean it all it all just feels so sudden to lose him like that. Just- kind of out of nowhere um you know i can't even begin to describe the pain i guess that i'm feeling right now cuts really deep um yeah i I don't know i can't let it out let it out we're here for you man i just miss him so much already Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. isaiah i I think you you said you had a a poem, I believe, prepared. Yeah, um, you know, as as just trying to deal with kind of the grief of this loss and uh, trying to put my emotions and how I'm feeling into words. Um, a haiku was the only way I could make sense of any of this. This one's titled "For Lou." For all we've been through, I bid you adieu, sweet Lou. Sweet Lou, I love you. Thank you for that, Isaiah. I also prepared a poem, maybe more more of an ode than a haiku. Hopefully I can get through this. We're here for you, brother. A hero fallen, our friend rests. We will never forget him and do our best to remember the beauty that was sweet Lou, a comrade, a lover, a podcaster too. He had takes that we loved and takes that we hated, like when he said Byron Buxton is overrated. You got it. You got this. Gather yourself, friend. You can get through this. Lou would want you to do this. Ah, okay. It's an emotional day. Let's keep with us until the end. Many funny memories of our great friend. Like his bluish-black old man basketball shorts. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Tom Sports. All right, and with that, we're going to get into some twin stock now.
So we're recording this Sunday night after the Twins lost a tough series to the Mariners. Uh, they blew a lead late in the game here Sunday. They had a 6-0 lead, ended up dropping the game 8-6. Guys, I know I know Lou had concerns about Alex Colome, and Colome blew a save today, his second blown save of the season, actually. Tough L to the, the Mariners, but Byron Buxton, I mean, he's been absolutely killing it he's leading the mlb in slugging percentage right now hit another home run today fifth on the year so how are we feeling i mean i'm buzzing about the twins i know it's a tough loss but the bats have really looked strong early in the season connor yeah slide over Harmon kilbrew uh there's a new sheriff in town uh byron buxton i'll tell you what i think from day one we've everybody's been saying this we just need to get him healthy and a big sample size and it turns out we didn't really need the big sample size as much because he just came in this season ripping off the or ripping the cover off the ball. Um, but yeah, he he. I mean, he's so fun to watch. And I know we would say that even when he's not hitting well. But now you add that component, and I think it was two games ago when they start chanting MVP. Maybe a little early, but maybe not. So uh, I'm excited for that. Uh, this whole episode, I'm gonna spin in my direction a little bit because. I just went down and uh, did some sports betting gambling legally in Iowa. And the Twins blowing the game today uh, was was a bit of a dagger in one of my parlays that would have paid out huge, as they say. So that was a bit of a bummer. But um, from the fan standpoint, it's kind of stinks to lose a series to the Mariners. Like, I don't think they're a great team. And I feel like they haven't been a good team for like 20 years. So it just kind of feels like a little bit of we let one get away maybe with that. Um, but overall, I mean, aspirations are still high for the team. Hopefully, Josh Donaldson is coming back soon. I think he played in a simulated game today, and they were going to kind of evaluate him, see how that went, and then hopefully bring him back and have him playing sometime later this week. Uh, that would be great to see him back in the lineup. And Donaldson hit a bomb today in that, in that simulated game at the uh, alternate site in St. Paul. We're That's back. dope. I hit, a, I hit a couple bombs today on a, a simulated game as well. MLB the show 14. Were they throwing it 100 down the middle or uh, <laughs> call back? No, that is good to see. Good, good news to hear Donaldson, um, you know, returning to form a little bit, getting healthy. Uh, hopefully this isn't a, a lingering, nagging injury this season. Uh, that's kind of going to be something we're going to have to watch. You know, the lower body's tricky, right? It's all connected in a lot of ways. I'm not a doctor but hopefully this hamstring doesn't put stress on any um lower appendages maybe calves or anything like that um i almost think he should take the nelson cruz approach of like just don't run you we don't need you to run ever you don't have to run although nelson did show off his wheels the other day so roadrunner uh, baby yeah um one thing about that is the hard part, I would love for him to just like kind of coast a little bit and just like work his way back. But he just seems like one of those guys that he's just high strung enough where, you know, you, you literally have to have him back at 100% or he's going to re-injure himself for sure. And I think we've seen that. Um, but I would love if you could just kind of say, hey, pull the reins back, get your at-bats, play good defense, but you don't need to, you know, score from second on a ball that hard hit one hops the left fielder. Like, let's just coast into third we'll do the station to station and and all, all in all it'll work out for the better for the long run but who knows question is do we even want him back Astadio is a monster boom there it is and 
arises showing some power all of a sudden. So do we really do we need Donaldson? If we're going to be going station to station, he can't even play a hundred percent. Like, do we not want that? Do we want guys who are going balls to the walls every play? And that is Osidio and Arise. Got him. Something to, th- something to consider. Such a testament to the twins' depth to have a guy like Astudio yeah. who hardly ever plays, or like you know, he's he's deep, deep depth on the squad, and he's hitting 462 on the season. I mean, yeah. that's that's the makings of a team that can make a run in the playoffs because Donaldson is arguably their our premier player for the twins, and he's down, mm-hmm. and we've got guys filling in who can hit. I mean, he's not gonna hit 462 on the season, but that shows he's a quality MLB hitter. It's exciting. I mean, it's it's a weird feeling right now because I feel like the bats have been really, really good. The starting rotation, almost every start has been a quality start. Actually, I think every start has been a quality start this far into the season. So it's like the two huge aspects of the team are doing great. It's just been the bullpen has had some some funky outings and obviously the extra inning rule. I think the Twins were undefeated in, in regulation going into today. How do you, how do you guys feel about that? I didn't realize they were keeping the quirky runner on second base in extra innings this year. I thought that was just a 2020 COVID times thing, but they kept that around. Do you guys like that? Because, I mean, I get that it speeds up the game, but I don't know. I don't love it when a guy comes in like Dobnik in the first game of the season when the Twins lost in the 10th to the Brewers. He came in, gave up a single, so then it was first and third with no outs, and then a ground ball that would have been a routine double play but the guy from third scores and then the Brewers win the game. It just kind of sucks from that perspective of like Dobnik actually pitched fine, but the twins end up losing. Yeah. I, I don't love the rule. I just, I just think that, and maybe it's because, you know, they're, what they're trying to do obviously is incorporate more fans to the game, like spread the game, if you will. And the way to do it is to make it more flashy, more, you know, score more runs and like, faster pace because everyone's always complaining about the pace of play which there's there's an argument there but i think there's a like just a purity of like these games matter and like to just gift a runner on second base and you could make the argument that both teams get it but it just doesn't seem right because i don't know i think you 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 should have to earn your runs and so i don't think i love the idea of just plopping a guy at second base for both teams and and have at her but um but that's just my opinion like what do you think I don't know. I, I kind of go back and forth on this. I think it's largely the most little league rule in all of sports. <laughs> like, I think that's my ultimate answer is that it feels like you would do this under the age of 12. Like maybe. Yeah, this is um, slow pitch softball stuff. Yeah, it kind of is. Um, but then I was like thinking about when the NHL moved to shootouts at the end of overtime and then to three on three for overtime, like, and I, I kind of remember with both of those things, there was like bigger outcry generally, it seemed like, from fans. And my one thought on that is like, is the NHL, is they're like the worst of the major four in terms of their ability to spread their sport, grow their game, grow their brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're getting better at it. But like, is that rigidity a bad thing so is the mlb going in the right direction by being okay with having this monumental rule change get slipped in 
and not having a ton of outcry? Like, is the, is it a sign of they're willing to adapt a la the NBA and like embrace new rules? And will that ultimately be better for the game? I don't know. But I still think it's a rinky-dink-ass rule. Boom. And it's, it sucks when the Twins lose like most of their games on a, uh, you know, kind of a, a fluke, it almost feels like. Because getting a runner to second, depending on how the game has been played, is oh. big. Like, mm-hmm. sometimes it's really hard to get a guy to second base. Like, imagine game seven of the world. I don't, I don't know if they're doing this for the playoffs, but just imagine game seven of the World Series and it's a pitcher's duel and it goes to the 10th and then all of a sudden there's guys on second base. And you know how different the game is played in the playoffs and like having a guy on second the pressure is just like palpable it'll it spikes it goes through the roof and then to have that with nobody out and like as a gift um i could imagine there'd be a little bit a little bit more outrage if like a significant playoff series ends this way as opposed to a regular season game I'm fairly confident that they won't do it in the playoffs. I think um, kind of like hockey. I think hockey was a great example. Kind of like hockey does the three on three shots. Well, in the playoffs, they do 20 minute overtimes, five on five. I think that in the playoffs, there's enough buzz in all the sports to be like, we can just have the normal style of game played where that's enough. But you get a Tuesday afternoon at 12 between the Royals and the Oakland A's. And it's like, there's not a ton of people that are going to be tuning in to watch that. And they're like, well, maybe they will down the stretch if there's, you know, some intensity like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think you make a good argument, but I just, something about it just feels goofy and maybe it's just adverse to change a little bit or something, but something just seems a little goofy about it. It would have been nice in my opinion to, if they want to keep this around to use it, maybe starting an inning 12 or something like if you've played two extra innings by the normal baseball rules and the game's not over then okay we'll bring in this extra runner because we don't want games going 18 innings and having to you know burn starting pitchers late in the game or have position players pitch yeah it feels very little league that was a good way to put it ike and one of the things in like advanced analytics for pitching what they try to do in crafting some of the analytics is take out what they call sequencing so the same events can happen in baseball in different sequences and it can lead to wildly different outcomes and what sequence the events happen in is basically random. So think about like a chopper single, like an infield single, a double, a fly ball and a strikeout. A pitcher might strike a guy out, get a fly ball and then give up like a, a double and then chopper single. So now there's guys on first and third in that case. But in another case, it might have been the chopper single first and then a double and then a strikeout and a fly ball and then that scores a runner, like a sack fly. A lot of times the pitcher doesn't have a lot of control on the sequencing. Like that's largely random is what's been shown. And I feel like putting this runner on second, it brings a lot more luck into the game because sequencing plays a lot bigger role. Because like in the Randy Mm. Dobnik situation, the, se- the sequence in a normal game would lead to a double play. There was a single and then a grounder to the second baseman. That's a double play. But because the runner on second began there to start the inning, it ends the game in a walk-off. And I, I just think that it brings a lot more luck into the game rather than determining the winner based on skill. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Analytics pod. That's actually wildly interesting. 
Um, I actually just think a better way to to decide a game if you're not going to go baseball rules, you might as well do each team's best slugger gets five outs, and their and their BP pitcher home run derby. I love it. I love it. Let's rip a page out of hockey's playbook for real. All right, let's not let's not toll around the issue. Let's go right at it. Let's just copy the ho- hockey. I think that would be a ton of fun. And then if it's a tie, you pick your guy. If it's a tie after the five outs, foot race, fastest guy, yeah. each team Boom. around the diamond. That has nothing to do with the fact we have Byron Bucks. And then hardest thrower if if they straight yeah. tie on the race. I love it. Do we go to a point system then? So you get a point for an overtime loss. I don't hate it. Extra inning losses, but you have to force. It's like you have to force the shootout to get the point. You don't get it for normal extra innings. You have to force the. We should come up with a clever name, but uh, we if not on the spot, we'll have one for you next week. Um, but I think there'd be a cool, cool name for that. I mean, I was gonna try something. I didn't have anything. A slam out? Nah, eh, not very good. Um, That's not it, what she said. But. I guess seriously about this 10 inning rule is like, what's the actual value in it? Because it doesn't really matter when a game ends after the three hour mark. You've already played for three hours. Whoever's going to keep watching is going to keep watching. Even if it goes 15 innings, I think there's a certain amount of people who check out at a, at a certain point when the game kind of ends. So they don't like, really need to see the end of the game they've they saw what they wanted to see a lot of people leave in the seventh inning anyways so what does it matter if the game ends in the 10th inning like what's the real value in that is that you have like fresher players the next day because if that's your issue shorten the season like if you're trying to keep guys fresh play 150 games give them a couple more days off in the season don't guarantee that every game ends after 10 innings it just feels if you're going to do that, I'd rather just honestly, and this is un-American, I'd rather have ties like a straight up tie. Ooh. If you're going to say like a guy on second <sighs> to start the 10th and like Dalton, you're saying it becomes sort of a random event of who wins and loses at that point. Um, just give us a tie. You get a point for a tie or whatever it does for your season. You just get a tie. There would be so many old men rolling over in their graves, the baseball purists of there is no tie in baseball. Oh, there is now under the Isaiah Welkley rule book. I think those old men have already rolled over once or twice with a few different rule changes, a la the DH in the AL. They probably rolled over. And then even this rule, the 10 inning rule, they're rolling over. So might as well give them one more turn and them face down. <laughs> Why don't you just spit in Honus Wagner's face, Ike? Okay, just get it over with. And then we, we don't get to see... Um, position players pitch and that's one of the best things of the game is position players pitching that it's always fun. a treat you get the alert espn alert position player pitching you're like oh Ooh. sick i don't care <laughs> yeah he has 87 mile an hour fastball yeah whoopee um i think it's funny because for me i'm the type of fan and this might be like uh a black patch or like with the the red a thing where you kind of stick out not in a good way. Scarlet letter. Scarlet letter, thank you. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the middle part of baseball games a lot of times. Like I like the beginning. Starting pitcher alert here. <laughs> so I like the first three innings. And then I'm a fan of the last three because I kind of want to see how it goes. But I don't always need to see like kind of the mush in the, the middle three innings. Just not that interested. 
And if I see a game in extra innings, I'm tuning in. Like that for me is exciting. And I know I may be unique in that way, but I don't know. I think the extra innings are fun and I don't need the guy on second for me for them to be fun. But I'm also a little bit more of a baseball purist potentially than than the fans they're trying to bring in. So what about Cody Stashak throwing the sixth inning doesn't excite you, Connor? That's peak baseball right there. Yikes. I not a huge Cody. Connor, when you watch the wild, do you just skip the second period? Sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll I'll tell you what, like sometimes you got things going on. And if I'm gonna miss something, might as well be the second period. Cause like I want to see guys at the start of games, because guys, especially hockey, maybe is different, but guys are going like full out, like they have all the energy. And by the end of the game, it's like it kind of ramps up intensity if it's a close game. I think baseball does that too, where it ramps up in intensity. And more in the end, obviously. The beginning's kind of slower, whatever. Guys are getting A Bs, but I think the end of the game is fun because there's kind of that excitement of like, all right, we got six more bats left, or you know, we got we got four outs to work with. Here we go. Nerd alert. I can get with that. Um, Kind of leads me into a a take that I have been brewing about baseball in general this year. I think it's more fun to listen to baseball games than to actually watch them. Like over the span of the summer, I think it's a better experience to have the game on kind of in the background of your life. Because committing every day to sitting down and watching three and a half hours of a baseball game is a lot. And like, I would be like, Connor, I will skip the middle innings if it's going to be that long every single day. Cause I don't need to see Cody Stashak again. I saw him yesterday. He was awesome. Great. Good for you. Do the same thing. I think, and you have a little more imagination going when you have to visualize what's happening on the field. It's good for your brain, kind of a stimulus there as opposed to television, which sort of numbs the brain. Um, and especially now with no fans in the stands, like, there's nothing to see in the stands. So you're just watching the game in sort of a boring setting, honestly. And I think the conversations that like radio announcers get into are a little bit more interesting because they'll be taught like of your point of Connor of like missing the middle three innings. Radio announcers will purposely not give you the middle. They'll just get onto a tangent and they won't even tell you what's happening for three innings. And you're like, I love this. Like I'm learning so much about the game, (laughs) but you're missing the middle three innings that nobody maybe cares about. And radio knew that long ago. Funny piece on that, that little comment at the end is today I was listening to the twins game on the radio in the car and they went to a commercial break and before the break, they were kind of talking about Seattle, how they were, I want to say they went like 116 wins one season, their last time they made the playoffs. And then they were just dominant. It was like each row's rookie year. I think Ken Griffey Jr. was balling out and they were loaded, right? And then the next year they missed the playoffs and they haven't made it since in 20 plus years. And then um, the inning ended and it was one of those where they're talking about that. And he goes, and the ground ball is short and uh, Simmons throws it over to first and that'll end the inning. Uh we'll go to break. And after we come back more on the Seattle Mariners missing playoffs. And it was just one of those things where that's kind of what happens in the middle of the game. You get these fun stories. I will say hands down every time it is way more fun to listen to the radio than listen to the TV audio. Like to me, for whatever reason, I just, I don't love the radio or the TV personalities 
they're just not as interesting to me. They're not as fun for whatever reason. I find that on the radio, it's always a little bit more fun. They get into more stories and, and that's sweet, but I'm, I am a visual person. Like I'm a visual learner as well. So I do like to watch the game and there's certain little niche things that you can see where you're like, Oh, this is kind of fun. Or, Oh, that was a sweet play where it's a little different to see it than to hear it. But I can support part of that take, so I like that. Last time the Mariners made the playoffs, that's what our good friend Macklemore has that song about, you know? My oh my. We'll have him on sometime. Mm-hmm. Good mm-hmm. good friend of the podcast. Yeah, we'll just, yeah. Loyal listener. So we talked a little hockey, uh, you know, the comparisons of baseball and hockey, but Connor, you're wild, scuffling a little bit this week, a couple of losses to the Blues, one absolute drubbing 9-1. How are you feeling as a Wild fan right now? The Wild, they were they were historic this week. Some could argue they had a they gave up the most goals by a single goaltender in a game ever in franchise history, I should say. So that was uh, you know it's fun to be it's fun to break records, baby. Witnessing it's history. all good TV, exactly. So that was good. Um, again, I did mention earlier. I'm going to bring this back to me and. I had the wild on a parlay on Saturday night um, and I just needed them to win outright. So it's a bit of a kick in the shorts when they score uh, the blue score with like 37 seconds left or something like that in regulation. And with two seconds left in overtime, I was a little bummed. I really was hoping to get that one. Uh, it would have been a nice little payout, but also as a wild fan, it, you don't want to lose games to teams that you're pretty sure you're going to be competing with to uh, get a playoff spot. Um, so that's always a tough thing. I think the Wild are still uh, positioned pretty nicely. And there are some winnable games coming up, uh, Sharks, uh, Coyotes. Um, and then we do kind of get back into it a little bit with the Blues. We have like four straight games with the Blues. So that's really going to separate us from them or uh, either in a good way or a bad way. But overall... It was a brutal game to watch when we lost 9-1. The OT game was pretty up and down, pretty fast-paced. There was a lot of good chances, but uh, and so that was fun to watch. Um, but yeah, overall, I think the Wild are doing okay. They're uh, they're not they're not exactly blowing people out of the water like they were, you know, three four weeks ago. But they're doing well, and I think they're still poised to make a playoff run here. So I saw some news that um, one of the Wild's top prospects, Matt Boldy, signed with the Wild out of Boston College, I believe, and made his debut the other night for the Iowa Wild, and he scored. Connor, do you have much intel on on Matt Boldy? Do you think he's going to be debuting this year, or is he going to be a guy who's a bit more of a development project? I think what I have heard is he is more than likely going to be I don't really know the phrase they use and how the how it derived but they call black aces are things that they're like players that come in right before the playoffs when they can expand their roster slightly and then sometimes they'll play and actually like make solid contributions and it's usually young guys and I think he could potentially be one of those where he kind of comes in at the end of the year depending on how he does in Iowa but I know the Wilder super excited about him he had an awesome year at Boston College he's been one of our top prospects for a while. I did see one ranking has him as like a top 10 NHL prospect Ooh. right now. So he's a he's a pretty solid player and I don't have the credentials of that place. So that um, could have just been some random guy in his garage. But 
somebody had it. So I, I think he's going to be a name that wild fans get pretty excited about over the next um, three to five years. Um, and I think he is going to be an impact player for us. So I'm excited. The only thing that could make it better if he was a center, because we all know we need center help and he is yet again, a winger. So we'll see, we'll see how it all plays out. But I think Matt Boldy's going to be a solid player. I don't know if he'll have a huge impact this year though. College hockey news. Tough to see three Minnesota teams in the final four. And then UMass ends up getting two W's and defeating the entire state of Minnesota to pick up the national championship. That was just tough as a, as a Minnesota person to see three teams bested by one out-of-state squad. Yeah, three bullets in a full bull, in a in a four bullet chamber, and uh, and we get the one blank. So that's a bit of a bummer. St. Cloud really has a a different style of hockey. They so they're really heavy dump and chase. And when you play teams that are skilled defensively, it's really not a great style of hockey always. And like basically, they dump the puck in, and if they did win the race, UMass was able to just push them off to the sides, and they really didn't generate a ton of great looks. They definitely had a few, and like for St. Cloud State, they are a team that they have to capitalize on their opportunities. Uh, they were missing, I think, one of their like top players, their top forwards. So that always hurts, but he's been out, I think, for the last two games. So, I mean, they've won without him before. And, yes, it was kind of tough to see. Um, it would have been nice if UMD would have made it to the Natty and we would have been guaranteed a Minnesota winner. But uh, UMass was a loaded squad. They had a good team. Uh, one of their top players is actually from Edina. Um, so, you know, there's a little – we can find uh, some – some comfort in the fact that we helped lead them, you know, with the Adina boy. So the biggest news in the Minnesota sports market this week, the Wolves have a new ownership group highlighted by the big name of Alex Rodriguez and all of his ties to Minnesota. So Isaiah, how are you feeling? Glenn Taylor selling the squad says he's going to be around till 2023 in charge um and then he's gonna gonna sort of cede control to the new ownership how are you feeling as a wolves fan i think i don't know and i think that's kind of the consensus for wolves fans is like it's it's hard to know exactly how to feel about this there's been a lot of like tons of gloom and doom right because you alluded to there are no ties of these new owners to minnesota so it wouldn't be emotionally that hard for them to pick up and leave and to buy out the whatever it is, $50 million contract extension with the Target Center, which is deemed the worst stadium in all of the NBA uh, and move to Vegas or Seattle. Or I mean, people are like comparing market size when they're like the NBA is like not going to move a lateral move in market size. Like it's, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but. This is also the league that took a team from Seattle and moved them to Oklahoma City. So yeah. there's not a ton of like solid, solid ground to stand on in that realm. Like they kind of will do whatever they feel like in a sense. So I'm kind of throwing that argument out of the equation for me. Um, but I think the thing for me that's making this like the worst is this feeling of like I'm dubbing it fandom purgatory that we're in right now for this two and a half years that you mentioned of Glenn Taylor like sort of sticking around and like 
teaching them everything he knows, which first of all, do we even want that? Like I love Glenn Taylor actually because of his commitment to trying to keep this team here, even though he has like nobody in his family wants the team. Like he's an old guy. Like I have no problem with him like parting ways with this team. I think he's given them a ton. He obviously hasn't made all of the right moves. The the popular joke on Twitter this week is the like he had A-Rod and Lori look him in the eyes before he signed the contract uh, to <laughs> promise him that they wouldn't move the team, which kind of calling back to the whole Andrew Wiggins fiasco when he signed him to the max. But I mean, he's been an, like, I think a generally honorable owner. And he's like very committed to trying to um, keep the team here. He saved the team in the first place in 94. Um, but there's only so much he can do. And like, obviously, like I said, he hasn't made great decisions in terms of the wolves. He's done great things for the Lynx. He's turned that into like, a premier franchise in the WNBA. But do we want him necessarily showing the ropes to A-Rod? Maybe just let A-Rod figure it out. But this two years... One day masterclass. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. Thanks, Glenn. Show him where the ropes are. Just don't show him what to do with the ropes. Um, But it's this two years where he's going to be around where we we know definitively that the team's not going to move in that amount of time. Like, this is given that the deal even goes through because they haven't necessarily signed it yet but they have this 30-day negotiating window exclusive negotiating window but let's just say that they do and it proceeds as it's been reported where glenn taylor sticks around for like two years a little bit more and then kind of hands over the reins to the new guys if if you don't in in your heart of hearts and like deep down really believe that they're going to keep the team here it makes it really really hard to continue to like emotionally invest in the team because it's it's a drag to be a Timberwolves fan it's really really hard because they're really bad and they're really frustrating and it's like you put in a ton to be a fan of this team like you really do have to care like on this weird psychotic deep level of fandom to to just really root and watch all of these games of the team that is like so frustrating has talent refuses to give the effort when they need to, you know, overlooks opponents when they're not like of the quality to be able to overlook opponents. And like, if you're going to go through these two years and there's like even this inkling that they're going to move the franchise to another city, how, how can you possibly continue to give the level of effort and emotional currency to this team if you don't think that they're going to be here in the long haul? So it's like, I'd rather them just tell us right now. I'd rather know right now. Like, I don't want Glenn Taylor there for two more years. If he's selling the team, you've made it. You've done all you can, Glenn. Like, I appreciate your efforts to keep the team here, but just sell them. Take them at their word that they won't move it. If you get screwed, you get screwed. They move the team. And then, you know, we get over it. Instead of this two years of this dragged out process where we just don't know what's going to happen. And it's like, this is these next two years are critical for this team too. Like these are the next two years where it's like, this is what we've been building for, right? Like if you believe in the process that Rosas has put into place, if you believe in Cat, if you believe in uh, Edwards' progression, if you believe in Delo, like this is what we are building for. Is these next couple of years are crucially important? And then it's like, how do we even commit to being a fan in the two years if you don't know if they're going to be here? Perfectly said, Isaiah. Perfectly said. Whew. So that's where I'm at. 
Yeah, passion. I I got an idea how to kind of get around this whole thing. Um, so they sign the contract, but there's a loophole in it where they they enact a new loitering policy. Or if you're not part of management, you can't loiter around there. So you think you're loitering around for two years? I don't think so, Glenn. Bye. But in all actuality, I agree with you. I think it's just like, um, it's you know that theory. It's like I don't need twenty bullets in the chest. One in one in the head will do. Like if you're gonna kill me, if you're gonna move the team, let's just get it over with. Let's rip the bandaid off. Hopefully that doesn't happen. It's just hard to imagine a scenario when they don't move the team. I mean, one, I don't know if this is absurd. I don't even know if the NBA has looked at it, but I got to think the NBA will be interested in getting a basketball team in Las Vegas sometime in the next 10 years. And it certainly feels like a good, a good situation to move. Like the twins kind of have some budding young star or the twins, sorry, the Timberwolves have some good young budding stars to move them to Las Vegas. I don't even know how that stuff works. Like maybe they can't get a team there. Maybe they haven't even looked into it. Maybe Seattle is the location, but I just feel like there's a chance that that I, I think everyone's thinking it, that they're probably going to have to leave. And that's just that's kind of a somber thought. Yeah, Isaiah, you mentioned how frustrating this team is. I was thinking about that the other day. You know, they come out this week, they have a really nice win versus the Kings, and then they get beat by a Pacers team without the Pacers three best players. And the Wolves were totally stocked with players. I mean, they had basically everyone they needed. And then they have a huge lead on the Celtics. They blow that overtime loss. It's like it's like if you're dating somebody. I'm interested. And you know, you have a really good date with them. Spicy. And then all of a sudden they don't text you back for two weeks and you're like, I don't know, maybe they're not into it. And then they're like, Hey, you know, let's let's go on this weekend trip together. Like I really liked spending time with you. And then you're like, oh, this is awesome. You have a great weekend. You've got another date scheduled. And then they cancel the date and don't talk to you for a while. And you're like, are they into me? Are the, you know, what, what's the deal here? That's how it is with the Wolves. It's like, is this a good team? Do I want to be a fan of this team? And now you're like you're saying, there's this sort of cliff that's two years off. And we don't know. And they're our only team. So it's like, we're not dating this person. We're married to this person. And then, you know, you come home, your wife's gone for three weeks like where were you and they're back and they're like you're the best i love you and it's just confusing time and now damn it cat are we a booty call or are we not a booty call cat answer the question yeah a lot of i've thrown around a lot of analogies i don't even know if that analogy metaphor or whatever made sense but yeah i'm with it i felt it it's just hard now now it's like you're married <laughs> to this person and they're like well maybe in two years we'll get divorced what do you mean in two years we're probably going to get divorced? Let's do it now. It's frustrating because as a Wolves fan, you have to be semi-psychotic and you're going into it knowing I'm, I'm ready to get hurt. I'm ready to do this. Hurt me, baby. But we do it because we, we love basketball. We love the Wolves. They're our squad and through thick and thin. I think the biggest... And best thing that we can hope for as Wolves fans is that they figure it out in the next two years because I think it's a lot harder to move a team that's successful. It's a lot easier to make that argument as an owner if your team has sucked for five years. Like I get it can happen either way, but if the Wolves are a good squad and the fans are invested, they're selling out the target center, I think there's a better chance that the Wolves stick around for a little while. 
we just have to hope that that they've got it on the right track right now at least that's what i'm telling myself it's probably ridiculously irrational but i wanted to believe that there is a non-zero probability that we have the minnesota timberwolves in 2024 it's a big ask for a franchise that's gone to the playoffs once in 17 years to just get good in two years Yeah. All right, we're ready. Go ahead. Hey, did you guys see this switch uh, in the basement of the Target Center? It just says, good. It's been off. Should we see what happens if we turn it on? But I, to your point, though, Dalton, I think even additionally with that is like, you've seen it in the times when the team has been good, as few and far between as they've been. There's a really good basketball fan base in minnesota like they'll sell out when there's a a quality product on the court which you just got to get to that point maybe hopefully they do but now it's like there's no room for missteps right like you can't have any setbacks like that makes this year's draft pick even more crucial but both ways it kind of it And I fully subscribe to the idea that the NBA lottery is rigged. So in both ways, this works in our favor. One, new ownership group need to like breathe some new life into a franchise that's staying put. They need another one, number one pick or top three. Cade Cunningham, welcome. Second scenario, the NBA already knows that the fix is on and they're moving to Seattle. We still still get the number one. Then you for sure get the pick. It's like giving Kevin Durant to the Sonics before they move him to Oklahoma City. Jalen Suggs, mm-hmm. welcome home. And then, who knows, oh, maybe oh. they get so good and like the fan base is so incredible, they're like, wow, we can't move him. There it is. You know how people like to break contracts. So let's just say it's not a done deal. Tell the big lady singing. And Arod is a flaky fellow, right? I mean, he left Seattle, he left New York, or he left the Rangers. He had some level of commitment in New York. Um, yeah, J-Lo. and then this whole J Lo thing, Let's this yes forget. and no with J Lo. Like, where is that? Like, is the, is this a guy you can commit to? Is this a guy that can commit to you? And, Not according to J Lo. Mm-hmm. Tell you that for free. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Lori guy. Is that he has started multiple companies that he's had no problem selling. Like, literally, diapers.com sold his baby. Is that the kind of people we want running this team? I just don't know. Agreed. Same with Jet. Jet.com sold his baby. He has no problem wheeling and dealing. See, that's what I'm saying. I just don't know. I just don't know. Time will tell. Well, I think that's a perfect place to leave it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Mini Market Pod. Again, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Tellem Sports and check out our content online. Check out our blog, tellemsports.com. We'll be coming with some new stuff. Miss you, Lou. Going, going, gone, but not forgotten. I'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life.